Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, in light of the Darren Collison snubbing and the Lakers inquiries of Wild Cards Dion Gummy Waiters and JR Get the Pipe Smith, the Lakers have instead decided to take a left turn and not sign any of those guys, but instead sign Oscar winning director Bong Joon Ho because the best plan is a no plan. Parasite! Tommy, what do you think about signing director Bong Joon-ho? I heard his pick-and-roll game is uh, spectacular, and he's got a pretty good wingspan as well. Um, I'm very excited about the prospects of signing Bong Joon-ho, and if we do sign him, I will drink until the morning. Hey! Uh, congratulations to Parasite for winning the Oscar for Best Picture and then three other Oscars, including Best Foreign Film. Tommy, I implored you to watch Parasite back in November. Have you watched Parasite since then? No, but I'm so no, like I'm so down, dude. I'm going to watch it over this three-day weekend like 100%. Okay, okay, cool. Anyways, if you haven't watched Parasite, please go watch Parasite. Um, we're here to talk about the Lakers... So the trade deadline came and went. No trades happened. Marcus Morris ended up going to the Clippers. And now the Lakers are stuck having to dive into the uh, the bargain bin. They got to pop some tags, go to a thrift shop, and try and see who they can sign off the, uh, the buyout market, free agent market, to shore up any of their needs and deficiencies moving forward. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. He is on the road tonight. Tommy, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday night before the NBA's All-Star Weekend 2020? I'm feeling good, Jonathan. Thank you for asking. Great. Good to hear. Uh, Yeah, so we're here to just talk about the post-trade deadline for the Lakers. Obviously, nothing happened, but now they look towards the buyout market. Uh, I guess my first question to you, actually, before we get to questions, really quickly, just wanted to plug our Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that is a minute added that Frank Vogel will have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma playing on the court together at the same time, and we want more of those minutes as we inch towards the playoffs. So please rate and review us on iTunes for that. We have still yet to get our first 2020 iTunes review. So the moment we get that, we will read it on air. Uh, In lieu of that, though, I do have a 
funny comment from 2020. Uh, this is a Reddit comment, not an iTunes rating and review. But this is from Mr. Chicken 69 Tommy, what do you think about that username? I love it. I love it too. Very clever, Mr. Chicken 69 uh, He wrote on one of our Reddit posts, Best podcast to secretly listen to while I'm stuck watching a shitty movie with the girl. Um, so I, <laughs> I thought that was a, a gem of a comment. And then I asked him, how did you pull this one off? And he said, one wireless earbud on the opposite side, secretly turn the podcast on from my phone. Also, you guys are essentially the same age as I am. So it's like I'm just hanging with the boys. So Mr. Chicken 69, well done. Hope you are still with your girlfriend. And um, I hope you listen to our podcast in other context besides just this one, this very specific one. Uh, but with that said, thank you for you're this. doing other stuff with your girlfriend, maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's, let's edit that out. That's too much. No, we're keeping that in. That's Mr. Chicken 69 to the realist. And then you know, when your name is Mr. Chicken 69, you're going to accept comments like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but thank you for that. But, we, uh, but I love you, Mr. Chicken. <laughs> Uh, we're going to stroke his ego amongst other things. Ayo. Uh, hey. <laughs> thank you for that. You. Unofficial... <laughs> uh, thank you for that unofficial review. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, also, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Lastly, if you would like to help us out in any small way financially, you, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast and donate a dollar. And that would be a huge help to us. All right, with that said, Tommy, obviously we had a precursor episode to the trade deadline. We pretty much anticipated that if there were any moves that the Lakers would make, it would be on the fringes. The closest rumors that we got were maybe they're looking at Marcus Morris and that Cal Kuzma was on the table to a certain extent, but not for the price that the Knicks were asking for, presumably Danny Green, and then they were going to ship Danny Green somewhere else for additional assets. So if that is true, smart by Rob Polinka to hold on to both Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, but with that said, and taking into account that Darren Collison just recently decided to not return to the NBA this season, how disappointed are you about the Lakers not making any moves in the during the trade deadline? And do you feel like they made a misstep with the Darren Collison thing? Or, like me, do you think that regardless of whether or not they had Darren Collison in the bag that would not have changed their trade deadline prospects with regards to getting a point guard. No, I don't think the Darren Collison thing had any effect on them. I mean, I think I'm the hype in the media is always more extreme than what the reality is, right? The reality is Darren Collison is a guy who knows many of the guys that are affiliated with our team. Frank Vogel, he's played with like DeMarcus, I'm pretty sure. He's played with uh, some of our other guys. He even beyond playing, I mean, he's an L.A. guy. He went to UCLA. Like, he knows people in our organization, for sure. And we know people affiliated with him. I'm pretty sure he shares the same uh, agent as Rondo, who's been on our team for, you know, unfortunately, some period of time. But um, I don't think that that, like, they, oh, you know, it's so funny how, like, things happen and everybody likes to put their own spin on it immediately, right? But the spin for this was, oh, the Lakers' arrogance they thought they had Derek Collison in the bag. That's why they didn't do anything. That is not why they didn't do anything. Okay, They didn't yeah. do anything because they didn't have the assets to do anything. And if they wanted to try to do something with the limited assets they would, they did have, it would be so risky. I mean, they would have to like gut core members of their team 
for a guy that you don't have any idea in some cases how he's going to fit in with what you have in the final like 30 games like people forget right i'm a big proponent of pushing the trade deadline a little bit up i think people like to push it further back because um it kind of forces like at this point in the season 50 games in or so you know where you stand right are you a contender are you a contender for a playoff spot are you just going to tank you know like you have a good idea at this point so that's why the trade deadline just is what it is but on the flip side of that it is not that much time to get acclimated with your new team I mean they've done a little Mm -hmm. bit of a better job making it before the all-star break so that you do have a little bit more time Um, but it's just a big risk I mean you put the Marcus Morris thing out there that's the big one that for some reason again losers in the media and on Twitter have like frame this as like well Lakers and Clippers you know going for Marcus Morris looks like the Clippers won again it's like okay the Clippers <laughs> traded every asset that they reasonably were willing to part with they traded a first round pick like a second round pick Mo Harkless who yeah okay Marcus Morris just slots in and takes over Harkless's role but it's not like he, he was a completely undesirable player maybe at that contract you could make the argument but it's not like they traded, you know, I can't even think of a good example. Um, you know, Eric Dampier's expiring contract. <laughs> right. Wow, you pulled that worth- one out of your butt. <laughs> the, the most worthless, high overpaid contract I could think of. Um, and I, and I, was, I was like, who that guy was on the Warriors with the headband? Eric Dampier, okay. Or Mavericks, like, I think. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it was, one of the two. It was, yeah, Mavericks too. But it's not like they were trading Eric Dampier, a guy they wanted to get rid of anyway. It's like, yeah, maybe they didn't need Harkless. He also appeared in every game they played this season and started most of those games. You know, he was playing Mm -hmm. 23 minutes a game for them. He was like a rotation Mm -hmm. player. So yeah, they made, maybe they upgraded um, very arguably. So they did upgrade, but they had to give up pieces that we had no competition for. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have a first round pick to trade. We have our own 2020 pick, but we were not able to trade it until after the draft because of the Stepien rule. We have like a future second round pick. I'm not sure if we, it's not this year. I'm not sure if it's 2021 or 2022, but we only have one. Okay. And we have like no other desirable players on our young, young players on our roster other than like Kuzma. So, and Kuzma makes less than like a veteran minimum salary. So to make a Marcus Morris trade work for us, we would have had to have offered Danny Green, like you said, Danny Green and Kuzma, or if not Danny Green and Kuzma and our second round pick, some combination of like four guys, you know, and mm-hmm. with how the buyout market has gone so far, thank God we didn't send like, you know, four guys out for Marcus's Morris's in, Marcus Morris's incoming salary, because it doesn't seem like there are as many options as maybe we hoped. I mean, obviously there's still time, but at least in the immediate fallout of the trade deadline, I haven't seen as many buyout players as I thought I was going to see. I mean, Iguodala got traded. Um, guys like Tristan Thompson that are talking like the Cavs are saying they're not going to waive them. You know, that that's become like a thing now. Even Mo Harkless, like everyone was like, oh, well, for sure he'll get waived. No, he apparently might not get waived by the Knicks. So it, it, the Lakers did not have the pieces to make a significant move. Look at the names of the players that were moved. We were not good. We didn't have a roster need for Andre Drummond. Okay, so we were not going to beat that trade. There was no reason for it to, uh, for us to do that. When you look at the other trades, even Andre Iguodala was moved for a ridiculous price. I mean, they moved like a promising young player in Justice Winslow, who still has a lot of potential, in my opinion. 
had a very good season, I think, last year. I mean, I not, don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure in recent years has had pretty good numbers. Um, and not only did that, but like doubled down and paid Iguodala $15 million for next year. If we right. did that, people would be calling for Rob Palenka's head for Andre Iguodala. Okay, this guy right. is 36. Like, who knows how much he has left in the tank? Certainly at 37, he is not somebody we want to be paying $15 million. Like, you know, once you start going down the list of guys who are actually moved, how many of these guys would have reasonably helped us? Not that many. And then when you factor in the assets that we had to work with, I just think it is what it is. Like, there was no deal to be done. We're the number one seed in the West. Yeah, you. some people might not think we're the best team in the NBA. I don't necessarily think we're the best team in the NBA. I just think there were no moves we could have made that would have worked reasonably. I mean, even the Kuzma, Danny Green, like people are like, well, they should have just done it. How do you know the Knicks would have accepted that? <laughs> okay. Because they got a, like a ransom from the Clippers for Marcus Morris, in my opinion. Okay. They got like a expiring contract as opposed to figuring out what they're going to do with Danny Green's contract. They got a first round pick, which we did not have to offer. Even if you equate Kuzma with a first round pick, they also got a second round pick and they also got another young player. So, you know, it's just like, we we don't even know if that would have worked. It's it's so insane to me the leaps people take. Um, unfortunately, the situation is what it is. We didn't make any moves, and we'll just have to live with our options on the buyout market. Well, the other thing too to factor in is that most of these teams that are dealing with the Lakers are probably asking for a higher premium just because it's the Lakers than they are these other teams. I don't think that factors in hugely, but I wouldn't be surprised if just because we're the Lakers, they're like, give us this, 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 and this, or else we're taking this lesser package from the Clippers. Uh, because the Knicks don't have, they don't have like a dog in the in the fight or the race, right? So if the Lakers are not going to pony up, well, they'd be willing to settle for Mo Harkless, if you think that's settling, obviously. And But then on the flip side, it's like, look, the Clippers pick is going to be their pick this year. It'll be somewhere between 27 and or 25 and 30, okay? So, but, but maybe to the Knicks, a team that has like, I, I don't know, eight power forwards, like maybe that's more valuable than Kuzma for a year and a half. And then you have right. to figure out if you want to max him or like give him right. a big extension because right. on a team like the Knicks, first of all, he'll be putting up numbers. But second of all, he will be expecting that money. You know what I mean? Because they don't have anybody. He's like their last hope and they traded for him. So like maybe they didn't want that package. I don't know. But my point is, it's like we by no means had... I don't think we should have tried to beat that Clippers package, but even if we did try, I don't I don't know that it's fair to say we have the assets to do it regardless. Sure. And I think my last point or my last two points are are one, like you mentioned, if we had to send out Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma, we bring in Marcus Morris and then maybe sign another guy off the buyout market or two guys. Or let's say we had to do Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, or DeMarcus Cousins, and we send those guys out, and then we bring in two more guys off the buyout market. It's just too many moving parts at this stage for a first-place team to be I doing. Know. It's you crazy. Know? It's like, first place, let's gut the roster. It, 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 like, I get it. I get the sentiment, because like I said, I alluded to, I don't necessarily think that the Lakers are the best team. I do think they could have they could, they could stand to improve the roster. I don't know that I can't say, actually, I can 100% say, I don't think that any of the guys that were moved for the prices they were moved at would have helped move the needle for us in any way. Like what, were you going to trade Kuzma and Danny Green to get Andre Iguodala, who hasn't played one minute this season? Like it's, it's like fairly absurd, right? So, and that's what it would have cost to match salaries and give up a top asset like the, the Heat did, right? So, or an arguably a top asset. So, 
it, it it's it's silly arguments to me. Um, I understand the frustration, but it is what it is. We have the assets we have. This is the price of going after Anthony Davis. And guess what? On the one hand, we didn't get your favorite player in the at the trade deadline. On the other hand, we're the number one team in the West. So you know, it's like it is. You know, maybe we won't. Maybe we fall, end up falling just short this year. But I think, given the moves that were made, we are giving ourselves the best chance by not making any moves at the trade deadline. Maybe we can add some buyout type players, but at the trade deadline, I think it was objectively best for us to not make the moves that were made. I agree. And, and my last point is. I- and this is to reiterate the fact that pinning our hopes on Darren Collison did not do anything to change our trade deadline landscape just because people were like, if it ended up being the case that Darren Collison was always going to shun you, maybe you should have tried harder to try and trade for. And then I'm like, trade for who? Trade for D- who? Derek Rose? D'Angelo Russell? D- well, look, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Or like, I guess the most plausible player would be Derek Rose, right? But then we found out that the Detroit Pistons wanted a mid-lotto first-round pick for Derek Rose. right? And so people can say, well, look, we don't have a mid-lotto first-round pick. Maybe we can try and ship Kuzma out there. But at the same time, we've talked about this before. It's just doing a whack-a-mole with the Lakers' problems, right? You trade size for... You're trading size out, but even more so than that, who's to say that the Detroit even wanted Cal Kuzma versus a mid-lotto first? And again, they have Derrick Rose for two years. So yeah. if they don't get the deal that they want right now, they can wait, wait till the trade. Exactly. Trade, uh, for, or, sorry, for the for draft day, right? They were by to no means and... desperate to make a move at the deadline. And it showed because, I mean, obviously Drummond, right? Take what you can get because he's not part of your long-term plans. But... Derrick Rose, you had le- maybe not long-term plans, but you have him for one more year. I think that's a very good point. They didn't need to trade him this deadline. He's still going to be there. They could trade him this summer. They could trade him next summer, or sorry, next uh, trade deadline, next season. You know, it's like he's still going to be there. So why move him for scraps? We don't know right. what the offers were. Of the point guards who were moved, it's like there was nothing that was remotely possible for us. I, I just don't. You can't just invent a trade out of, you know, people equate, it's like too much like the trade machine, right? It's on on 2K or like the trade machine on ESPN, the trade finder on 2K where you just put your players and then you click a button and it's like, find me a trade from every team who wants these guys. That's not how it works, right? There's like a lot of other issues and factors at play and we don't know who's available. And I'm sure if a good point guard was available for the right price, we would have just done that, but it wasn't the case. Right, and and the point guards that the the middling point guards that the Lakers could potentially have traded for are guess what getting bought out as we speak. So, uh, with that said, that'll be a good segue um, into our final segment, which will be just talking about what options the Lakers have in the buyout market. But before we do that, we will pitch it to our sponsors, and uh, we will catch you guys after the term. All right, so buyout market time. Tommy, do you know? Do you have any idea what I named this episode? it's so hard to say goodbye but b-u-y get it goodbye oh yay (laughs) i meant sorry that's funny dude (laughs) some bad acting bro uh okay i actually i'm amused by that i'm smart okay great good um okay so obviously the lakers 
Um, Darren Collison is out of the picture. The Lakers are planning to work J.R. Smith out again. Uh, Dion Waiters is in their sights. Obviously, Jeff oh, did we Green. Work out J.R. Smith once. I think we worked him out once already, actually. Um, Dion Waiters is now in their line of sight. Jeff Green has been out for the last three weeks, it seems like already. So here's my thing. Um, the more and more I think about it and the more I see Frank Vogel just continue to give Rondo minutes and, you know, credit to Rondo for having like his best game of the season the other night, 23 points, six assists, only one turnover, four of five from three, nine of 13. Good job, Rondo. Was at an all time high? (laughs) Um, so just seeing how Vogel continues to handle Rondo, I'm starting to think that signing any of the point guards that are available would almost be very futile. So I'm starting to think, and I'll get to your thoughts in a minute, that the Lakers may just forgo signing a traditional point guard and may just go for a primary scorer in the likes of J.R. Smith or Dion Waiters, and then to top it off, maybe also add a wing, like hopefully Jeff Green or more hopefully, Mo Harkless if he gets bought out by the New York Knicks. And maybe somebody else like Markeith Morris if he gets bought out by the Pistons as well. Versus trying to get that point guard like Isaiah Thomas or Reggie Jackson, who at this point we don't, we're not even sure if he would come to the Lakers if he gets bought out because the Clippers, I guess he has a relationship with Paul George and the Clippers, yada yada. But a guy like Reggie Jackson, Trey Burke, Tyler Johnson... It almost seems useless to bring in one of those guys because I feel like they wouldn't even get any minutes regardless because Rondo would still get the majority of the backup minutes and then you're pushing Alex Caruso down, etc., etc. Thank God Avery Bradley um, has regained his three-point shot. Um, He's shooting like 61% his last seven games. But I think that's why I've started to think that we may literally just go J.R. Smith slash Dion Waiters, whoever they deem most ready to contribute on this team and then on top of that just sign a wing whether that's jeff green mo harkless mkg actually mkg just signed with the mavericks not mkg but a markeith morris type i mean ideally for me i would still like to get a point guard (laughs) like for me it would be jeremy lynn because out, out of all of these these guards that i just listed even if let's say he's not the best offensive point guard i think that would probably go to reggie jackson or isaiah thomas even though he may not be the best offensive point guard, I think he's the most well-rounded in terms of offensively and defensively. He's objectively the best out of this crop, even though he's spent the last year in the CBA. I just don't think it's realistic that the Lakers would sign him for political reasons. Maybe they don't want the distraction of the Linsanity thing. Like, ideally, I would like to get Jeremy Lin in here and then sign Mo Harkless or something like that. I just don't think that that would matter even if we bring in Jeremy Lin because Rajon Rondo will probably just play over him and Lin will get the Alex Caruso treatment anyways. Um, so with that said, I think I'm kind of veering more towards it's probably going to be J.R. Smith or Dion Waiters and uh, if we're lucky, a Mo Harkless on top of that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the options that are out there on the buyout market? And um, have you thought about that what I've thought about in terms of maybe they won't even just go with a uh, traditional point guard at this point. Oh, I think absolutely. You have to start ruling out um, traditional point guards, like a guy like Trey Burke, for example, although I really like Trey Burke and I think he's a pretty good player. I I just don't know that he has the political or like experience cachet to like step into a team that's number one seed in the West and, overthrow Rondo for minutes. You know what I mean? I I don't necessarily think that nobody could 
could do that, um, but certainly not a guy like Trey Burke or some of these like lower level middling point guards that we, that are out there. I, honestly, even Jeremy Lin, but in my opinion, but um, I am not opposed at all to this idea of signing a more dynamic shooting guard because it's an obvious Troy Daniels is like an obvious waiver. I like Troy Daniels. It's been cool to have him on the team. He seems like a cool guy. He seems like he gets along with everybody, but he's not done the thing that we thought he was going to be able to do, uh, which is consistently and reliably just rain threes. He's shooting below his career averages, I think, but you know, it's also the first time he's ever been on a team that was pretty competitive. I think he, maybe he was on one Houston team that was somewhat competitive, but I don't think he played that much. Um, So, I think he's a fairly obvious cut. And then you just add a little bit more depth at that shooting guard spot with not just a guy like KCP or Danny Green or something like that, but somebody who can go out there and do something a little bit different. J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters are like, like almost Lance Stevenson-esque like type signings in some ways. And I can see how that some fans would have that immediate reaction to those types of signings. I guess my counter to that is... Y'all had the same reaction to Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. And look how that had, had, had turned sure. out. You know, we have my the point I'm getting at here is we have not to say that like everyone's going to be like that. Right. But the point is to say that we have guys who have proven that they have the mental capacity to make these evaluations. Rob Polinka knows Dion Waiters because he was a Rob Polinka client. He's currently, I'm pretty sure, a Rich Paul client. So. Rich Paul, you know, so LeBron via Rich Paul has some understanding of Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters played with LeBron, I'm pretty sure, actually. Didn't they overlap a little bit either in, I can't remember. Yes, if it was they Miami did. I think Clint. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they overlapped a little bit. Um, I, you know, other guys like LeBron, obviously, very well knows J.R. Smith. Um, but there are guys, we have plenty of veterans on the team who know J.R. Smith J.R. Smith may have even been on the Nuggets teams that JaVale McGee was on. I mean, the point is we have like a very veteran roster and we have a lot of guys we can turn to sort of like the Dwight thing to be like, hey, we think as a front office, we're kind of signed off on this guy. The workout looked good. What do you guys think? Point to them and figure out what our team thinks and then move from there. If everybody is vetting these guys and everybody signed off, I you can do a lot worse than J.R. Smith. I say every year, um, you know, and we haven't been competitive since we started doing this podcast, but, you know, we, when you're looking at teams that are competitive, you need like one, okay, if you're the Warriors, it's one thing, but if you need, you need, normally you need like one guy off the bench who can just go bonkers. Yeah, any given night, this guy can come in and just drop like 30, right? The Clippers have that with Lou Williams and arguably Montrez and, you know, Montrez has to be set up, but Lou Williams is really that guy for them. He can mm-hmm. come in with no plays drawn for him. You know, nothing, uh, 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 you know, other guys are having an off game and he'll just come in and explode for 30. doesn't matter what kind of defense you're running on him. He's just going to score. Mm-hmm. Um, Dion waiters, theoretically, if his mental state is in the right place, J.R. Smith are two guys who fit that mold especially Mm -hmm. Dion Waiter. Well, really both of them, but J.R. Smith has proven he has that unconscious ability when he gets going to just catch it. Doesn't matter where you're standing as a defender. Doesn't matter how you're trailing him or whatever. 
he we have a lot of pretty good shooters on our team, but he's that one guy who can curl off screens at weird angles, catch the mm-hmm. ball, flip it up at the rim without even having his feet planted and just rain it. And if he comes in and hits his first couple like that, he can hit you six threes in one game and completely ter- change the game. Right. And that's what he did when he was with the Cavs. And I would trust LeBron, you know, like, you know, this guy, like, do you trust him? And if you do, I think that's a clear upgrade over Trey Daniels. Maybe he doesn't break the rotation every game or break the rotation right away, but he's another piece and he's another guy who could give us those points. So I'm all about the the guard who will dynamic guard type of ad. And then I'm also about adding a wing. So I'm, I'm into Harkless. If he gets cut, I'd also be interested in Jeff Green. The other thing I wanted to add with not just with regards to their shooting, because both of them have proven to be that they can be like 37, 39 percent three point shooters. Right. But the biggest thing that they'll bring, I think, is just a comfortability handling the ball when things bog down. You know, that can be to their detriment because sometimes it's too much dribbling. But outside of Rondo, who else can do that on this team when LeBron James is off the floor? You know, nobody. Maybe Kuzma sometimes when they give him post up isolations, but J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters are guys who are comfortable, you know, attacking closeouts and hitting these off-balance mid-range jump shots, fadeaways, and sometimes even taking it to the rim, especially J.R. Smith in his prime, you know. I know he doesn't do that nowadays, but he's still, he's always had a handle, you know. For both of them, they have handles. It can be wild like Lance Stevenson, but at least you know they're not going to be trapped on the perimeter like a lot of our guys seem to be when the shot clock's running down, right? Um, and they can also hit a, a legitimate mid-range, a legitimate mid-range jump shot, which is sorely lacking on this team outside of maybe Avery Bradley, and then the only other guy who can do it is Quinn Cook, and he doesn't get any minutes. So I think that's why you know adding a Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith for even just you know 15 minutes a game, 10 to 15 minutes, I think would open up the offense a little bit and might even open up things for. Kyle Kuzma because these guys can create not only for themselves but also just because they are offensive threats for other people as well and hopefully that's where some of the primary scoring and creation will come from not solely just due to watching Rondo dribble the ball for 18 seconds and then pitching it pitching it off to a random dude for the last second so that they can hoist up a jump shot um so yeah I agree with you 100%. Um, and then you said you would also like a Mo Harkless or a Jeff Green on top of that, right? Yeah, somebody like that who I think can... We need... Somebody posted about... <clears throat> excuse me. About this on Twitter the other day. I don't know. Maybe Alex Regler, somebody like like that. We have, obviously, three centers, if you count AD as a center, because he's 6'11". But we only have three guys on the roster who are between six, seven and six eleven, which is like a weird breakdown, right? So the only three guys are Kuzma, Dudley and LeBron. And I think we need in this like modern NBA with like, you know, you look at the Clippers and they have a million wings. It feels like, and the Bucks have Giannis and Chris Middleton and all these teams are loading up on wings. I think it'd be fairly imperative. Like I know Jared Dudley's a really good locker room guy good culture fit. I'm not suggesting getting rid of him, but like somebody of that, you know, somebody of that body composition and height and like, you know, archetype who can actually give us meaningful minutes in the playoffs, I think would be pretty crucial. I think Jeff Green is a criminally underrated player. I mean, I don't know what happened to him this year before he got waived. It seemed like his numbers were down across the board, but 
he has consistently been a very solid player, in my opinion. Um, he can hit a three at a reasonably – he's not a great shooter, but he can hit it at a reasonably uh, reliable rate. Um, he can do things off the dribble. He adds so he adds that playmaking dynamic. He's a tough player, very physical in the paint. Mo Harkless, you know, similar. He is kind of more like a remind. I mentioned this in a thread, and I don't mean to suggest he is like you know when we acquired Trevor Ariza in two thousand eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. But because Trevor obviously like had such a good run for us, but I put Harkless in a similar category. He's like a lanky wing. He's super athletic. His shot is not by any means reliable at this point, but he's another guy. I mean, on a top Western team played has played an entire season so far started most of the games for the Clippers. He brings the dynamic. Maybe this doesn't matter to most people, but you know, or, or whatever, but he brings the dynamic of knowing what the Clippers want to do mm-hmm. um, and like knowing what they're talking about. And he is a guy you can throw out there on Paul George because I love Danny Green as a defender. I think he's a very smart defender. He lacks the foot speed to defend some of the quicker wings. Um, and Mo Harkless would give us that extra dynamic of a guy who is in that six seven to you know six nine range with long arms who can we can throw out there against some athletic wings for a few minutes so that you know we rely so heavily on LeBron offensively we cannot put ourselves in a position where we need LeBron to be guarding the best player on the opposing team as well. Right, I agree. So my last question to you is: pick two. Inevitably, who do you think the Lakers will end up with if they go with two guys? If they go with if they go with two guys, just your gut. My gut is one of them will be um one of them will be J.R. Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so weird to say that. One of them will be J.R. Smith and one of them will be Jeff Green, LeBron's old friends from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually agree with you. Obviously, the optimal version of that, I want J.R. Smith and Mo Harkless. And the reason why I say J.R. Smith is just because of the experience. I, I, I know Deion Waiters has been to the playoffs, but he hasn't been to the playoffs as many times as J.R. Smith has. And I know there, there, we can always talk about the LeBron James meme in the finals when J.R. Smith made that boneheaded play. But I just think you just trust the experience a little bit more. And I would just like Mo Harkless to add that, like you like you mentioned, just that extra defender, extra length. But inevitably, I think more realistically, we will end up with J.R. Smith and Jeff Green. They're only probably going to play like 10 minutes, 15 minutes each. And I think that will be totally fine at the end of the day. Lastly, the one thing I want to say is uh, look at J.R. Smith like a swaggy P. Like how Nick Young was for the Golden State Warriors in 2017-18, where in the regular season he played like 17 minutes a game, shot 38% from three, averaged seven points, but that's kind of all they needed him to do, right? Um, And J.R. Smith will do that in the regular season for us till the playoffs and just add that extra primary creating dribbling option for us outside of Rondo. So, Well, I was going to say about J.R., it's like people are put off by him, which I totally understand. He's a controversial player with controversial skill set, and he makes boneheaded decisions sometimes. But I think Nick Young is a very good example. The Warriors knew what Nick Young could do for them, and they optimized his talents and put him in positions where he wasn't really on the floor enough. I mean, you have to keep in mind, J.R. Smith was playing like over 20 minutes a game. I mean, I'm not looking at the numbers. For the Cavs, but he, yeah, yeah. For the, yeah, like he was playing significant portions of the game. We have KCP. We have Danny Green. Bradley, obviously, is more of a two, although he's undersized. I mean, we have other guards who can who can play. 
So, like you said, it's not like he's going to be taking on a major role with our team, but he does give us that dynamic of here comes an oh shit player. You know what I mean? Like, you can't give this guy one inch of breathing room. He's like Kyle Korver in some ways when he gets really hot. Obviously, like, yeah. Kyle Korver is like a goad shooter, so I don't want to compare him too much to him, but he is one of those guys. I mean, I think um, Cranjus or somebody on Twitter posted like the <clears throat> highest efficiency shooters of the decade, 2010 to 2019. And J.R. Smith was one of the, I, I think him and Danny Green were both top 10. Um, yeah, spot up efficiency. So I can't remember what the category was, but it was something shooting related along with Corver and Curry and Katie and all these guys that you would expect. But um, JR is up there when he gets hot. He is hot. I mean, I don't know again what happened to him last year. He wasn't playing. Um, I don't think he wanted to be part of that post LeBron Cleveland team. And so they parted ways. And I, I, I'm like the most against looking at workout videos to try to figure out what, what a guy <laughs> is going to contribute. But I saw some workout video with this guy where he is doing all the things you want him to do. Right. It's not like a dribbling highlight reel. It's like a real, it's like a drill where he's like running through contact and simulating coming around screens and catching and firing. And that's what we need. Like, I love what KCP has given us. He's had a remarkable season. I would love to bring him back moving forward. Danny Green has shot very well. Avery Bradley is on the rise. We have like decent shooters, but it's just insurance, KCP insurance, baby. It is, but KCP, as good as he is, is not. He is a set shooter. He's kind of like Danny Green. He's not uh, like let me curl you around the screen and you catch it and th- off one leg throw it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's like what J.R. Smith can do. And I think that like when the defense gets tight and things get crazy in the finals, like you need that wild card who like Swaggy P can just come in and randomly rain four threes for you in a big game. And that could swing a game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. With that said, that'll do it. We'll take you into the all-star break, all-star weekend. Hope everybody enjoys the uh, Dwight Howard slam dunk contest and the all-star game with LeBron James versus Giannis, yada, yada. Um, yeah, we will catch you guys next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, Mr. Chicken 69 Please rate and review us on iTunes as well. And uh, yeah, Bong Joon-ho, everybody. All right, Bong I'll catch you later, Tommy. <laughs> All right, later. Watch Parasite. I'm going to watch it. Sweet. All right, bye. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.